Welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, the podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and every episode by my co-hosts. She must see it through. Her fate. What brought her here? Whitney Nelson. Yeah, that's me. Mm. And just because he talks with an accent doesn't mean he thinks with an accent. Evan Wells. Yes, I do. I, I we, right out of the gate. Hold on, I got this queued up here. It's uh, we have some breaking Kia news. Breaking Kia news <laughs> as of recording here. <laughs> Super important. We are getting uh, the Matrix Four. <laughs> what is <laughs> so big. You sent me this. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. a, what is this music? I got to turn this shit off. Uh, you and then Max from the Insanely Haunted podcast, within mm-hmm. minutes of each other, I got mm-hmm. notifications that we are getting the fourth Matrix film written by Lana Wachowski and Keanu mm-hmm. and Carrie Ann Moss are, are reprising their roles. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like unbelievable to me. So the thing that I am most interested in is that everything that I have seen has said Lana. Wachowski, not the Wachowski sisters. And I am very curious as to why that is. Right. Mm. That's my biggest question out of all of it. Because, like, sure, Carrie Ann Moss, amazing. Love her. Let's have more Trinity in the world. Sure. Yeah. Keanu Reeves, yeah. I mean, hell yeah. Obviously, that's why we're all here. I'm just curious why one of the Wachowski sisters and not them as a duo. And I'm curious what impact that's going to make on The Matrix 4. Yeah, I don't know uh, what their dynamic is in terms of like, if one mostly handles the writing and the other one handles behind the camera or vice versa, or like what the responsibilities of that first trilogy, like whose shoulders yeah, that like, mostly Yeah, like I don't know how on. it broke down as far as writing and right. directing and all that kind of stuff goes. So I don't know if there's one that, if it was evenly divided between the two or if there was clear delineation, but I'm not sure how different it's going to be with, with just Lana. Right. It's interesting, to say the mm-hmm. least. Ev, do you have any thoughts about The Matrix 4? I feel like I just want to make sure that the Wachowskis watch the end of the third one before they say that that Neo is in this one, because it makes me a little bit nervous that they didn't... Uh... He died, right? He's dead. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the word I'm going to use, is nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> or, I mean, usually movies lose it on two... Three is like sometimes weirdly third movies are great, but like four, uh, I don't know. I got weird vibes. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of think there's so many problems with two and three. Mm -hmm. Two's still pretty good. I still enjoy two. Three I had a hard time with. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it would be worse than three. I think, I think that it would be. Um, and I think that the time and the social commentary on the movies between then and now has, is provided enough insight that I'm not worried about them making the same mistakes that they did with three. Yeah, I guess that just, makes sense. Yeah. Time and hindsight. Right. And you're like, yeah. oh, maybe maybe it has been a thing that's been simmering where they're like, let's take a let's take a second, really assess if this was the story. <laughs> this is is this where we wanted to leave this story or do these characters have more to say and more to do? I hope that that is the case. So I guess we'll just have to see. It's looking over the next two years, we have another Bill and Ted and another mm-hmm. Matrix and then another John Wick. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah, it's funny. People are still banging down his door. 
forever. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, staying busy. Mm-hmm. That was our that was our breaking breaking Kia news. That that's so hard to say. I'm never gonna say that again. I don't want to. Uh... I like it. <laughs> Keanu's. Keanu's. Keanu. Keanu. There's there's literally nothing else it can be. So you better learn how to say it. <laughs> I'm with Evan on this one. I'm backing him up. <laughs> okay. All right. That's it's what so, it's called. Here's Sorry. What, it sounds it's better than it songs? spells. You know what I'm saying? Like spelling yeah, it out. Yeah. It, you <laughs> don't look at it. <laughs> All right. Just listen. It's perfect. Yeah, no. It's just Keanu's. Yeah, just right. put an S after his name. Yeah, like, like multiple like Keanu's. Yeah, or possessive, either one, whatever you want. It's like, who's, whose news is that? Oh, it's Keanu's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I got a good idea for a jingle. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> you don't want to hear me sing. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> I want to start off. By mentioning, you can find the website at coolbreezepod.com, email us at coolbreezepod.com, hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod, just like so many people did about this news with the Matrix and and everything else that's Keanu related. If you like what we do and you want to support us directly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash coolbreezepod, reap all manner of extras. Um, I'm working on a way to get the show streaming live, which will be really, really interesting and fun. But honestly, even a review on iTunes is, is super great. Uh, helps the show raise awareness, all that stuff. We're we're on an up into the right trajectory in terms of subscribers, which feels really good. And it's because of yeah. all of you spreading the word and and really <laughs> enjoying our our banter here. I suppose. Thanks. Thanks for appreciating how clever we are. <laughs> right. You. Finally, someone notices. Somebody, <laughs> some Thanks. of you out there get it. Yeah. Jeez, I've been telling people for. 35 years and they're just finally starting to listen. <laughs> right. You needed complete strangers to, to realize <laughs> right. that you were good at this stuff. Oh, isn't that what we're all really after is the validation <laughs> yeah. of strangers? I yes, just want to exactly. matter. I just want <laughs> remember me. <laughs> yes. Oh, shit's getting real. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Didn't yeah. mean to bring it so heavy so early. It's deep. So hmm. uh, speaking of Patreon, shout out to our very first patron, Eric Smith. He's a, a literary agent and author extraordinaire, friend of Whitney and I. Evan, mm-hmm. you would love him if you met him. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's true. I Everyone does. You. Right. He's, a, he's, he's great. Uh, you can check out his website at ericsmithrocks.com. Find out a little bit more about what he's written and who he reps and all that stuff. And, and thank you, Eric, for kicking us off. Even though you sound like a, like a fake person. You, that's not a real name. <laughs> but That's true. Yeah. Thank you. One other thing before we get into the show is I wanted to read this submission from a listener. Uh, NASA? Apologies if I pronounced your name wrong. NASA? NASA? At NASA1707 on Twitter. And she wrote the following. I only had time to catch up with movies slash episodes this week, so here are some late comments. Little Buddha was the first movie from those I've watched alongside y'all that I couldn't finish. I literally literally (laughs) fell asleep halfway through. Keanu and Brownface irked me. And the family felt like it was played and written by aliens pretending to be human. Ooh, that's that's so, so true. Yeah. It's pretty accurate I'm, I'm the, so far. And then NASA goes on to write, Speed, though. I'm not from a <laughs> native English-speaking country, so this was actually the first time I watched it without dubs. Of course, I knew the entire plot already, because back in the 90s, we as a family used to watch it all the time. Nonetheless, I was so fucking pumped. Great movie. <laughs> 11 out of 10. <laughs> yes. Which I believe is is a 
the the perfect score, perhaps. And then NASA goes on to agree. Also, speed. And then she writes twelve greater than symbols. <laughs> die hard. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. twelve. NASA, you're mm-hmm. on the right side of history, I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're at least on the side of Whitney, right? And many others. After much debate and uh, polling throughout the throughout time, I want to know. Yeah. I want to know if those were thoughtful. Every one of those greater than symbols were with thought. Or if it was just kind of like a, you know, ring finger twitch. The math checks out to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Our listeners are not hyperbolic. Please. Please. (laughs) How dare you, Evan? (laughs) That's great. I love it. Hyperbole. (laughs) It's for the birds. (laughs) I contradicted myself last weekend or last week when we were recording about how easy it is to add chapter markers. I'm not going to do a rundown now because we'll have chapters in every show. It's super easy. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome in advance. However, just you live rem- and learn. <laughs> right. Uh, turns out we're all growing every turns day. Out I'm the asshole. So <laughs> spoilers, <laughs> just a reminder, <laughs> our contest is still running and we have close to 200 entries already. This is the contest <laughs> for John Wick chapter three, Parabellum movie of the year. <laughs> Yes, perhaps decade. I don't know. We haven't we haven't mm-hmm. determined it yet. Uh, it comes to digital this Friday. Uh, the episode, like in three days, two days after this is released. So that's great. Uh, we are mm-hmm. giving away the Blu-ray, and that comes out September 10th. So you have like 25, 24 days, something like that, uh, to get your entries in. Again, it's two for following us on Twitter, one for tweeting details, ten for a written review. Just enter. It's great. It's great. With all that out of the way, oh my gosh, Evan, tell us what yeah. we're doing here today. Well, we are talking about a walk in the clouds. Mm-hmm. And um, the plot synopsis, as far as IMDb is concerned, <laughs> is as follows. A married soldier returning from World War II poses as a pregnant woman's husband to save her from her father's anger and honor. Mm. It was directed by Alfonso Aro. Is that how we want to go there? Sure. Aru? Aro? Yeah. I don't know now that you mentioned it. I think I've only ever seen it written. He's the guy who did Water for Chocolate, but... Yes. Yeah. All right. I don't, I don't know how... I've only ever seen it written. Uh, and co-starring alongside Keanu in this film is... Oh, wow. Aitana <laughs> uh, Sanchez-Gijon. Yeah. Nailed it. Great. Um, Anthony Quinn, uh-huh. Giancarlo Gianni, Giannini, uh, Giannini. Oh, that's that's those are There's eyes. an extra N in there. Yeah, Come on. those got are this. Z's. Uh, Angelica Aragon and Deborah Messing. Right. Uh-huh. Um, Close and, enough. Yeah, I, I nailed those. <laughs> um, Whitney, what do you think our critical and audience reception looks like? So it's interesting to me. Because I don't know if you guys remember, but a few months ago, I said I was not looking forward to revisiting A Walk in the Clouds. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to get too much into that because we'll we'll get through this intro part first and then talk about whether the movie worked for us or not. But um, I basically had an opposite reaction to what I thought I would have uh, watching mm. it again now. I would have assumed. So we have a 44% critical score and a 75% audience score. This is a generally well-liked movie by the public, but also uh, generally not very well-liked by critics. I looked up reviews just to see how many there were and what the sort of headlines were. Mm-hmm. And 
almost every single one that came up immediately other than Roger Ebert's sounded like a negative review. Wow. Like, wow. Not good, not good, not good over and over again. I would not have been shocked when I was 13 and saw the movie for the first time and didn't like it. Um, but I'm a little shocked now that 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 it got that poor of a critical reception. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple of user and critic quotes here from Betsy Bozdeck uh, of Real.com. Three out of four stars where Betsy said, with its golden countryside, sweeping score, tender romance, and powerful traditions, it's virtually impossible to resist the spell of a walk in the clouds. Mm. And then we have a user quote from Red L on Rotten Tomatoes, who gave it two out of five stars and said, a syrupy movie about love and honor. Actually, I didn't mind Keanu's acting, but the ending of this movie with the fire and the vine, spoiler alert, is pure crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. That's aggressive. It is aggressive. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to kind of use that right to segue into talking about whether or not the movie worked for me since I've already started talking about it a little bit. I'm just going (laughs) to usurp the conversation (laughs) and go right for it. Do it. Good, good. So when I saw this, right after it came out on video, I did not like it. I thought it was very corny. And um, the only thing that really stuck out in little baby social justice warrior Whitney's mind was the fact that the guy who's playing the the patriarch of the family was Italian and they were making wine and all of their traditions, even though there was like, they were singing Mexican songs. It was all seemed very <laughs> Italian to me. Yeah. And none of yes. them look Mexican. At the time, I assumed that they all were not Mexican because I knew Giancarlo Giannini was Italian. Yeah. Uh, it turns out I looked on IMDb and most of them were actually born in Mexico. Not all of them are necessarily Mexican, but all, most of the cast is actually like from Mexico. So, wow. but at the time I was like, why are we taking, why are we saying that this is Mexican when nothing about this culture seems Mexican to me? And of course I'm, you know, that's part of my heritage. I'm part Mexican. So that was one of those things that I felt very like, why are we taking these Mexicans and making them palatable by making them Italian and white? Mm. Um, and that's what I took away from the movie was that it was the, the story part was corny and everything else was kind of insulting. Watching it now, though, I feel very, very differently. That movie was much better than I thought it would be. Wow. Ooh. I definitely do think that it's on the cheesier end of the spectrum. Like if saccharin isn't your thing, you're probably not going to like it. But it it borders almost on on like mystical realism kind of stuff, magical realism kind of stuff. It's it's a lot like uh, Water for Chocolate, actually. But there's there's uh, a little bit. Have either of you seen The Fall? Uh, hmm. I don't think so. There's a wounded soldier telling a story to an orphan, and all of the fantasy, all of the scenes that he's telling her of the story he's making up are very very fantastical when you're seeing it portrayed. Lee Pace is is the the star of that one. Anyway, okay. really good movie. I highly recommend it. But it, there's something about it, and I don't know if it's the textures or the colors or the pacing or what, because they're not really at all alike, but something reminded me very, very strongly of The Fall, which is a movie I love. Um, I think this sort of, I think they did a good job of heightening certain things. Like, Napa doesn't look like that at all. I don't know <laughs> where they actually even shot it, but it doesn't look like Napa. And some of that was like, they brought in fog and they did post yeah. effects to to sweeten how picturesque this valley looked and the and the you know vineyard and all that kind of stuff they did a lot of stuff to sort of heighten 
the melodrama and the romance and the sort of picturesque fairy tale nature of it. And for me, it really actually worked. Um, I don't think they went too far with it. I think this is some of the best acting Keanu's ever done, even after this. I was very mm. surprised by the subtlety that, that Keanu used going into this. And, and he played this sort of like innocence in a way that was 100% believable. I think oh, several of the reviews talked about Keanu Reeves being a bad fit for this role. And I think they are huh. could not be more wrong. I think that to make a movie like this work, where it is sort of heightened and sort of melodramatic, you need somebody to be the straight man, essentially. And I think he did it with a really deft hand. Interesting. Still felt like part of the movie and he still felt engaged and I believed it when he started falling for her and all that stuff. But I also think that he, you know, you've got all of these cultural stereotypes about Latinx people and, and the how vibrant and vivacious and emotional and whatever they are and, and all of that stuff happening around him. And he's, you know, a white guy from Iowa who just got back from war. And I think it would be very, very hard for most actors to sort of hit that line well. And he did it so, so good. And towards the end of the movie, there's a scene where he wakes up from a dream and he starts tearing up. And it was very moving and very realistic. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting because from the get, Whitney, you have, have thought that he is not good in a romance role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said that, that before the, we even started. I was like, that's his right. downfall. He should not Up be doing romance. Down, left is right. What is going on? <laughs> I know, I know. Wow. When well. I woke up this morning, I thought I knew certain things were a fact. <laughs> and now I don't know what's real anymore. Yeah. Jeez. Crazy. Um, Twilight Zone. Uh, for me it was it was good. Um I thought I thought it had like a certain I don't know, like warmth to it. It had like a certain, it was like feel good, mm-hmm. definitely. But I thought that parts of it could have been done better. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it definitely teetered and fell into cheesy more than a few times. And that's fine. I think you expect a little bit of that, but it wasn't all the time. There were, there was enough where it kind of came up for air out of those moments and it was you were kind of brought back and it was like mm-hmm. oh this is this is super nice and this is super charismatic and and sweet um and so that was great but overall i think i think i would what's it come down to i know we get we get to this later but you know i found myself talking to other people about it um kind of specifically the plot and i thought that, that was handled really well not necessarily original. I think you can start this movie and within the first 10 minutes, yes. it's like, okay, 100%. No. Like, you know where it's going and yeah. you may not be able to predict every single part of it, but you like, none of it was surprising or different. Right. But I still thought it was charming. Yeah. Cinematography and, and the technical side kind of felt pretty standard to me. Kind of textbook movie filming. Nothing really caught my eye. I know Andrew's about to say something that was really cool, and then I'll change my answer. (laughs) What? But, yeah. I mean, Keanu specifically, I thought he did well. I thought he, I thought he played the role of a, like, polished gentleman really well. Mm -hmm. Like, did, uh, you know, military in my family, my brother's military, and I thought he kind of handled that, that person who comes home from war, aside from the horror that they go through and, and the night terrors and, and all those things, the, 
the way that they carry themselves, the way that they're respectful, the way they stand up straight. That's something that you have to kind of think about a lot if you don't go through that training and if you aren't put through that rigor. Hmm. So um, that I thought he reflected really well. And that's it's good to see that authenticity in a, in a movie. Um, so Keanu was great. I still don't think he's a romance guy. I don't overall either, but I think that he he carried this movie in a way by grounding it. I think that the big star was what's her name, um, the the uh, lead yeah. woman, Aitana. Yeah, Aitana. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. She she is phenomenal, and I don't know why I haven't seen her in more stuff. Why she didn't become a name after this? But I also think that this movie wouldn't have worked without Keanu being sort of like the focal point of everything that's happening around him. Also, can we talk about how much Deborah Messing crushed it? (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen her act other than Will and Grace. And I was, I was shocked. Literally my jaw dropped in that first scene when you see Deborah Messing, because she did such a good job of the, that sort of caricature of the time and the accent and the movement and just all of it. She just did such a good job. And I had no no idea. Yeah. Andrew, what did you uh, what did you think? You know, this is an audio podcast, obviously, so you can't see that I'm nodding along as both of you are making your very well-formed points about this movie. Uh, I agree with most of <laughs> what you said. Uh, it's very, like, to me, I watched it and I immediately got a vibe of um, something like a soap opera, but an elev- elevated, right? It's a mm-hmm. high, it's of a higher caliber, but that's your story. Have either of you seen Shock a lot? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's very, very, very much like Chocolat. And Chocolat's one of my favorite movies. Okay. So that's kind of what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. And as I think all of us have experienced, not not a genre or a particular, not particularly what I would seek out if I was looking for a movie to watch. But this is great. I I enjoyed it overall. There are some things where, you know, there's a little suspension of disbelief here. Like there's no subtlety in this movie at all. It's very Mm -hmm. much like Mm -mm. what you said, Whitney. It's like everything's telegraphed from like a mile away. Like there's Mm -hmm. no, for me, there was no, will they, won't they kind of tension. Mm -hmm. It's like, these two are going to end up together. (laughs) I I don't care that he's currently married. I'm not a hundred percent sure how they're going to get there, but they're going to get there. And I'm not even, Right. I'm not even worried about it. That's it. Like everything about it, like, oh, uh, you know what? This dad, I think he's going to come around. These two, they're definitely going to get married by the end. All, all that stuff. So I enjoyed the journey and and kind of that they took um like a kind of interesting and little bit of a meandering pace to get there, right? It wasn't like a straight mm. line. So there was some, you know, there was some conflict in the middle there and and, and that worked really, really well. And one thing that I do think is interesting because it did meander a little bit. Um, and normally movies that meander, I immediately get disinterested and start checking my phone and start yep. checking the weather yep. and start doing whatever. I didn't do that in this movie. Like even when it was meandering, it still held my attention um, more so than I would have expected. Because when you're talking something that's a little bit of a slower pace because it's a melodramatic love story sort of a thing, yeah. I would have assumed that if it took any time meandering it uh, it would have lost me and it didn't i I stayed in the whole time and i think part of that is due to the casting right um i think the parts where it sort of meanders are actually kind of the heart of the movie because the parts where it meanders are all anthony quinn scenes is that the grandfather 
Don Pedro. Yeah, the grandfather. Yeah, okay. I agree 100%. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, they're going to start drinking again. I love this part. <laughs> and they are, they take much, much longer for character development type stuff. Like, it's not even exposition. It's just a grandfather hanging out with this gringo and being super charming and them talking about, like, life lessons and stuff. But I actually think that that's kind of the heart of this movie because otherwise you don't care so much about the family or or what's happening. Like, obviously, the love story is compelling with these two, but, like, Anthony Quinn is the reason that this movie is so good. And those are all the parts where it meanders because he's just an old man who wants to talk, drink brandy and talk about... You know, not following doctor's orders. <laughs> yeah, salt, <laughs> salt. Uh, I agree. So that was, I had that written down specifically. So I agree that Keanu and Aitana, I, you know, they, they carry this. They're, they are both great. And the thing that I liked about Keanu's character, Paul, right? Paul? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if you get the idea that an actor thinks that this is obvious, like the work they're doing is obvious, then it might not, it might come through, right? But mm-hmm. Keanu treated all of these realizations as like his character was like actually learning something, like from this yes. grandfather character. Yes. And yes. that is what yes. was so great about Nailing it. Nailing it. That is exactly, that puts it into words so well. So, like, his character has a certain amount of naivete. Yes, to for him sure. Because he's, yeah. he's mm-hmm. very kind to strangers and he always does the the honest morally upright thing to to the point where like it would be hard for a lot of people to buy in and i actually think that's why so many hardened hollywood critics were not into it is because like the guy's too nice and he's too forthright and he goes way out of his way for someone he doesn't know and all that kind of stuff and i think the only way to sell that is to it's very hard with naive characters, when you're when you're as an actor not naive, to not feel better than them, and yes. then that telegraphs. And I think that that's exactly what it is. Is is Keanu Reeves sunk himself into it a hundred percent and didn't ever feel better than his character, and it felt genuine. The sort of revelations and the stuff he learned about himself, and he never felt like anyone thought that they were you know better than the character that they were portraying. Yes. He he melted my cold, cynical heart with just yes. <laughs> genuine, like, oh, it's so wonderful. It's so yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I, I want to not like this guy, but I can't because he's so good. And then uh, I think the last point for me is, again, just nailing home the Victoria character who really went, she vacillated really well between conflicted and joyous. And I'm a, I might be a little biased because she is like very much my type. But like when she mm-hmm, smiled, the too. whole screen Same. lit up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, my God. So that's that's what I say about her. Obviously, the, the dynamic between the two of them worked really well the entire movie. Yeah. And oh, yeah. One last thing. This is I'm happy that you mentioned it, Whitney, because that did not appear to be what uh, Napa <laughs> looks like i'm curious how they got some of those shots because like it looks like kind of a green screen situation but i don't know how it worked like it was like a painting almost in the background i don't know if it was yeah i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure about that some of it i think was filmed on location in napa i honestly did not sit through the credits long enough to see where it was filmed right um 
some of it, I mean, the thing about Napa is a lot of that looked like Napa, the sort of rolling hills and whatever, but it's also still California. It's still more a desert than not a desert. Right. And that's actually why grapes grow so good there is because it's harsher conditions, which makes the grapes sweeter. If it had, you know, softer soil and more rain, then it wouldn't be good grape land. So. Uh, yeah. So, like, a lot of the, like, the grapevines looked like grapevines, and, and when it is full harvest season, it does look sometimes that lush in certain parts, but it was more, I don't know, more, I, I definitely think there was probably some matte painting happening. Yeah, I was going to say, like, some plates or something they put there up there. There might have been, yeah, like, some composite, like, they might have spliced together three different parts of Napa in the same scene to yes. make it more lush and more beautiful, where it might all be Napa, but it's not all the same location like you can't stand there with a camera and capture that same scene <laughs> yeah. um when she introduced the clouds like the you know the place but out of <laughs> my mouth i was like holy shit like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow did they luck out yeah. they got this land early and damn so that that was just like i audibly said that i was oh okay that's what we're doing cool kind of reminded me of like whatever they did in wizard of oz to make some of those scenes of like the castle and stuff yeah whether it's whatever they're doing there with a combination of camera yeah camera and painting and depth of field type stuff it it works it was it was effective i I think for me it was more effective in selling the story even than it was as beautiful locations because like i said it had a little bit of like a, a magical realism sense to it like just like chocolate does where everything's a little bit hazy and everything seems a little bit heightened and that made all of the heightened um sort of melodrama and and syrupiness of the movie play better because it's everything was a little bit heightened you knew you weren't in reality from like the (laughs) get-go yeah there definitely it almost felt like uh narnia right we like Ooh, or ever after ever after is another good example there of you it. go ever after and shock a lot if you like those movies you'd like this movie i was i'm thinking specifically and i'm sure the two of you noticed this where he gets kicked off the bus for a reason and then he starts walking and he comes up to her in the middle of the road and it's like this is she's like this is my stop and i'm like where it's a dirt road in the middle of nowhere where did this bus drop you off so there was like little stuff like that but i liked it because it added to this mystery like this larger mystery this magic that whitney's talking about overall Mm -hmm. so it was pretty fun pretty fun okay is it time (laughs) did you think the world is ready i i know that the world is anticipating i don't know if it's ready i believe the last time we left it, it was it was an intergalactic delight, I believe. I just, interstellar. I don't, <laughs> interstellar, damn it! Interstellar is what I said. Very yes. different. Very, very different terms. Either way, Jack, take us away. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! Got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Welcome to Pop Quiz Asshole, our little quizzo show here on this podcast of ours. Uh, the rules are very simple. Evan is our host, so he will be asking mm-hmm. Whitney and I each three questions with a bonus mm-hmm. question if you're able to find one. I don't know what the trivia situation for this movie was. 
Yeah, sparse. I'm not sure yeah. <laughs> I figured as much. Very sparse. Evan sets the points value for any particular bonus question he might have. The points are as such. I miscalculated last week. Evan actually had an additional point that I forgot to give him. So Yes! This is tipping the scales in a big way, everybody. Listen Wait, up. is this just pity? Is this where we're at now? This is just a pity point? <laughs> I just threw you a point. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney is in the lead with 35. Evan, nice. 17. Myself, Andrew, with 20. So, you know. Woo. Uh, you know, I'm not out of it. Well, uh, you know, 15 point swing. <laughs> I, you know. It's not unheard of, but boy. No, 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 got I a just lot mean beating you. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you coming in second, <laughs> not out of the realm of possibility. So, sure. Yeah, so Evan, please take us away. Let's do it. I think, Andrew, you're first, right? Because you... Andrew's first, correct. All right. Here we go. I am not giving you options on this, Andrew. We're going in hot. Ooh. Oh, okay. Ooh. Who, who had their film debut in this movie? <laughs> okay. Who had their film debut in this movie? Yep. Oh, Jesus. Um, it's going to be someone. I don't even know anybody. I don't, I don't know anybody in this movie. Um, well, it wasn't Keanu. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, good. I can rule out one <laughs> person. <laughs> Aitana seems too good to have had this be her first role. And I mean, I would, I, yeah. I would bet money without knowing anything about really any of these people other than Giancarlo Giannini. Yeah. Um, and Anthony Quinn to some extent. Uh, right. I would assume that most of these people are probably names in like Telemundo. Yeah, for sure. Or yeah, your European star. But I don't know also, who. Yeah, is the problem. Jeez, please. I have two people in mind. I have the only two people that I can think of off the top of my head. No, three people are the brother. <laughs> he was my first thought. His his friend from the war, who he like gets off the boat with, and me. Maybe Deborah Messing, but I don't. She seems like she's probably started her career already by this point. I'm not sure. Uh, I just gave Whitney all the possibilities, too. I said it out loud. <laughs> well, well two of those three were what I were going to say are possibilities, right. so. I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to go with the only person I know. Deborah Messing, and that's, uh, that's all I can do. Great work. You got there nice. really well. Nice. Oh, it's probably more than one person, but thank Oh, my gosh. Good thing you didn't rule her out right away. I was able to rule out Keanu right away. There was my first bad instinct. Okay. All right. Great work. Whitney. Yes. What from this film actually happened to the screenwriter? A, got kicked off a bus for a fight. <laughs> B, personal vineyard burned. Or C, Pretended to be married to a woman. Whoa. Huh. That's intense. That is intense. (laughs) Any of those. (laughs) Yeah. All of those are, uh, I'm going to say pretended to be married to a woman. (gasps) Andrew. Oh, man. (laughs) 
How fantastical. Um, <laughs> let's go with uh, got kicked off a bus for fighting. Damn it! So, uh, Common, or Cayman, however this guy pronounces his name. Okay. His last name. Robert Mark Cayman, I'm going to say. Um, he was actually advised by several associates that vineyards don't burn, but which is a great point because they're <laughs> green and, you know. But uh, less than a year after the movie's release, his vineyard indeed did burn, destroying his studio, house, and one-third of the vines. Whoa! That's sad. Isn't that wild? After it's this like movie. Somebody... So he didn't base the move. He didn't base the events no. off of something. This actually happened to him after the fact. After yeah, people he... told him it couldn't happen. Exactly. It's crazy. Wild. <laughs> wow. It's kind of wow. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Andrew. All right. Oh, boy. Where was this on Roger Ebert's best films of 1995? <laughs> the bottom. Was it? Sorry, good. 10? Was it third or was it 19th? Oh, it's. Hmm. Where does this fall? Best. In his best films of Yeah. There's no way that this movie is number three. I'm ruling it out. <laughs> it's definitely not number three. <laughs> I feel like. I don't. Oh, I don't know. I feel like. 10 feels high, but 19 feels This is like, low. whatever I guess, clearly. Especially knowing I didn't read his right. review. I just looked to see how many reviews there were when I was doing, like, the for the critical reception stuff. It, cr- um, it blows my mind that Ebert has watched, like, every one of Keanu's movies since, like, what, Parenthood or something? It's, it's pretty cool, actually. Maybe not yeah. Bill and Ted. I don't think yeah. he watched Bill and Ted, but maybe he did. I don't know. I'm going to go right, Andrew. 19. Yeah, it's it 10. is 10. 19 felt too oh, low. All right. That's is, fine. 10's not bad. Because he was like the only review I saw that liked it, and I didn't read it, so I don't know if it was effusive or not, but it seemed maybe like it was more than a 19. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, all right, Whitney. Which yeah. infantry division was Keanu in based on the patch on his shoulder? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> the trivia is sparse. Uh-huh. Do I get multiple choice for this? Event? Oh, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course you do. Was it A, the 6th Division, or B, the 2nd Division, or C, the 7th Division? I know literally, literally nothing about military <laughs> patch insignia. Sure. So I am going to take a just wild shot in the dark. Uh, 7. Nailed no! it! You did it! She yes. did it. It was subtly imprinted in your mind. Right. No, it was not, because I don't know anything. There's nothing in my mind about infantry division patches. No, I think there was a literal seven. Oh, was so. there a seven on it? May- well, maybe yeah. then. Maybe I subconsciously maybe absorbed it. Maybe back in the 90s, when you first watched it, you made a note, and it stuck with you until now. That's <laughs> definitely not what happened. Oh, okay. I love it. <laughs> It's far uh, more likely that I saw the seven and that stuck in my subconscious. Right. I think I'm probably closer to on track than you are. All right. Ooh, I'm going the magical route like this movie. That's okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, Andrew, this movie is actually said to be a remake of a movie called Four Steps in the Clouds. What? 
What year was that movie released? Oh my god. And you have three options. Was it 1942, 1955, or 1986? Uh... I love how similar the titles are. <laughs> right, four steps in the clouds. Let's not change almost anything about it. Could four steps be considered a walk? Is <laughs> <laughs> this the shortest walk you've ever been on? I'm going to go uh, whatever one was in the 50s. That one. 1954? 54, yes. Mm. I. Whitney, 1942 or 1986? 1986. Mm. <laughs> okay. No 1942. Oh. I kind of okay. want to go watch it. Do you? Uh, it's like the exact same synopsis. Huh. Um, Wild. Okay. So, Whitney, you're not going to like this one either, but again, <laughs> sparse trivia. A scene from this movie was also seen in another movie, as in in the background it was playing on a laptop. Which movie was it? Was it A, American Pie 2? Was it B, (laughs) The Matrix? Get out of my face! Or C, Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay? What? What? (laughs) I love these answers. These are some Evan ass <laughs> answers, man. I'm gonna say C. That's that's correct. Like, C. <laughs> yeah. You you didn't you didn't have a good enough poker face for that one. By the time we got to Guantanamo Bay, I was like, it's this movie. That's why I put American Pie 2 in there, but it wasn't enough of a Should have went American Pie 4 or something like that. This was in Harold and Kumar's get Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. What? Isn't that hilarious? What how the Kumar Wild. number is that? Is that two? <laughs> Or three? I have no idea. How many of those movies? Okay. Awesome. Wild. Yeah. Um, well, so no bonus, because, you know, out of questions, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was skating, just skating by on this one. Points are as such. Whitney moves up to 38, and I move up to 21. So... Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's the clip. That's kind of the clip we move at here. So, you know, one step for either Evan good or stuff. I, and three to five for Whitney on average, generally. Sometimes six mm-hmm. if you're watch- if you're Bram Stoker's Dracula. So there mm-hmm. you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, we are uh, Ev. Whenever you're ready, take us. Okay. Take us for four steps. We're gonna we're gonna keep this succinct. I'm excited. All right. Yeah. All right, so it's 1945, and it is after World War II. I thought it was delightful that it started looking like a newsreel. It was yeah, really that was actually cool. well done. Yeah, that was well. It's done. like black I, and white, and it's a little bit choppy, and it looks like a newsreel, and it's all the soldiers getting off the boat, and then it goes into color very seamlessly. United States Army Sergeant Paul Sutton returns to San Francisco to reunite with his wife, Betty, uh, whom he married basically days before uh, his departure, is what we're meant to believe. Uh, which, you know, wasn't uncommon. And so there's some somewhat of a whirlwind of a courtship between them. Yeah, there's a... The, the, one of the lines in the movie and something that's kind of a classic trope with 
people of that era of the married on Friday or met on Friday, married on Sunday, shipped out on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the line in the movie. And he's like, pretty much. So. Yeah. And um, we are starting to we eventually start to see that he's also kind of mentally scarred from the war, which is expected. Um, Mm -hmm. Some some flashback stuff. Correct. And I think we're introduced to an orphanage in in his first flashbacks. We we get more and more snippets of this uh, dreadful scene that he flashes back to as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. And at, at any rate, um, he eventually reunites with Betty and it's not great. Um, <laughs> not, can, she, can we just say, uh, go ahead, keep going. I was just going to say, she didn't come to meet him like every other wife did at mm-hmm. the docks. Mm-hmm. And so that was like strike one. She's at home in her underwear. She's at home practicing her etiquette, vocal etiquette, Diction. if you will. Diction. To a uh, a vinyl, right in her underwear, as you do, and then very sadly, I will say this was like this hurt a little. Paul Sutton Keanu discovers mm-hmm. that he had written her letter every day for and four she years. Four years, she kept all of them, but didn't read them, and that was like awful. I, that's what I was going to say when I said, can I just say, and then I let you keep going, because I knew you were going to get to that point. <laughs> Didn't want to jump the gun. Uh, it would have been over right then and there. Right. Right. This is the telegraphing that this movie does. Where I wrote you almost every day throughout war for four years. You wrote me like three letters back, and you never read a single one of the letters that I sent you. Yeah, and the worst part is sh- she's like, I read the first few, and they, like, made me sad, so, so I stopped reading them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God, that's terrible. It's, she's thinking, this war is so morose. I don't want to read about this. Yeah. Um, and this is also where we start to learn about Keanu's, um, just that he's a gentleman, and that he's very mild-mannered and... Um, you know, willing to to still try and give this marriage a go. But he also is interested in a new career. So Betty wants him to sell chocolates door to door. And so he sets off to Sacramento. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there on a couple levels. He's like, cool, you didn't read any of my le- letters. That sucks. And I want to start a new thing, but you just want me to put on my uniform and go door to door selling chocolates. I mean, she actually says the words, uh, like, what did she, I want stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. That's not word for word. That's not verbatim. But she says, basically, I've got my whole life without, I want you to go get the job that you had before war, that you've been promised, and make money so I can buy stuff. Yep. Yeah, they're really playing her up to be, like, not great. So, uh, Keanu's en route to Sacramento. And he meets uh, the other female lead in the movie, Victoria, um, who is a graduate student. And her family owns a vineyard in Napa Valley, as we've referenced before. He first introduces to her on a train where they have a, you know, pretty cliche 
interaction and she spills something or no she throws up on him which actually wasn't <laughs> yeah, cliche she spills <laughs> the, was context, not cliche. the contents of her stomach yes. <laughs> right yeah usually it's like a coffee or something but no nope. well it's it's she she drops the picture first right and he's helping her like right. clean up the glass of the picture frame and he's like don't worry about it and she's like he's gonna kill me and he's like oh it's just a picture frame and then she throws up on him and kind of derails that whole conversation yes I can't remember another rom-com where I've seen someone throw up on someone. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is how it's this, this is new. This is original. And so, but then after that, they actually run into each other again on a bus. And Keanu steps in to actually get these two guys that are trying to accost her. Kind of gets into a fight with them. And ends up getting kicked off of said bus. Uh, what we learned before that, though, is that she had also taken his ticket, his train ticket, during their physical interaction on the train. So that's mm-hmm. how he ended up on this bus. Because so- Yeah, they both, both dropped their tickets and they took back the wrong ones. So he got kicked off the train because he couldn't keep going all the way to San- Sacramento. Yes. Um, I, I do want to make it very clear. That the bus fight, they made a big point of this in the filming and the way that it was shot and choreographed and everything. He's just standing up for a lady and these two thugs get in his face and he is very calm the whole time and they swing and he ducks and then they like swing again and then he hits them. They made a very big point about he didn't really get into a fight. He's like a a trained war hero and just standing up for a lady and gave them more than every chance to not get into a fight with him. Yep. That was part of the, like, they set up the chivalry angle with him pretty early on. Like, they did it with way over the top with him forgiving that she hasn't read a single letter of his in four years. Right. But but that was another another kind of a thing of, like, this is who this character is. He's standing up for a lady. He's defending her. He's not going to let these thugs accost her. But also, he they were calling him names, and they were standing over him and trying to intimidate him and whatever and he still didn't throw a punch and then they threw a punch and he still didn't throw a punch and then they threw like another one and then he was like okay I'm gonna handle it <laughs> it's like all right then guys. he got kicked off the bus <laughs> yeah it's a good point they're all kind of kicked off the bus and start walking what was really funny here uh is the bus was heading the same direction but the two men and Keanu went different ways on the road. <laughs> right. They didn't keep walking the direction of the bus. <laughs> right. So that was funny. But anyway, um, he's kind of walking along. And wouldn't you know, he runs back into Victoria, who is crying on top of her luggage uh, a little bit further down the road. And Andrew is referencing the scene earlier that she called this kind of middle of nowhere her stop, <laughs> which was interesting. They're like on a wooded forest glen road kind of a <laughs> yeah, thing. Right. It's, it's not like... paved. It's like a dirt. <laughs> it's a true dirt road. It's funny. correct. And this is where we learn that she's pregnant by her professor. And so we go through this kind of realize that she's going to get in trouble with her dad. She thinks she'll be killed like very traditional family, traditional kind of father who would never allow this to happen. Uh, and would be insulted and, you know, that whole thing. Uh, and so Paul gets the idea, since he's just such a great guy, he's like, well, let me play husband. I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll pretend to be your husband. And 
and she's like, we don't have rings. He's like, actually, I have a <laughs> chocolate that's named after getting married. Uh, and it has like a foil ring on it. So these will work. So that's what happens. And basically they're, they're going to try and, you know, sell this idea that those two are married and, and having a child together. As you might expect, once we're, you know, introduced to Victoria's family, her father, Alberto, is infuriated. Um, he's upset that she married a man that's considered below her from a social standing perspective, um, but also without his permission. And a gringo. Yes. Don't underestimate the gringo part. Correct. <laughs> What's interesting is that Alberto is kind of alone in this thought. You know, as you might expect, uh, Victoria's mom is like, whatever, she's married. That's great. Like, love is love. And even the grandfather is seemingly into it. He's kind of just more like whatever. But he's certainly not as adamant as her father. So basically it gets to this point where it's like Alberto kind of just has to let this ride out. He's going to be... He's not going to get it, and he's going to be kind of curious and try to figure it out and maybe ultimately split them up the whole time, but he's going to let it happen for now. Wasn't another, wasn't another big thing that, like, he, he wasn't there? Like, the family wasn't there for the wedding? For the wedding, he was yeah. pretty pissed off that about that. That doesn't really come up much until later. Oh, it's, okay. like, way right. later in the movie where he's like, I didn't see you get married. I don't even know if you did. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just like that. Picks or it didn't happen. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, all right. Paul's plan, Keanu, is to basically like sell this idea and then leave and continue on his journey. He's like, I'm the husband, but I got to go do work stuff. See ya. And then she could tell them at any point that he'd left her and they would feel bad for her and she would not be in the mother of a bastard. Correct. And it's a, it's a watertight plan, airtight. Or water, either one. Um, <laughs> Nothing's getting out of this plan. But no elements. In Paul's uh, attempted departure, he's intercepted by Don Pedro, who is Victoria's grandfather, and the best. And the best. He's great, <laughs> and he encourages him to stay and help with the harvest. He eats his chocolates. He's great, and so the idea is that we we basically do like a bunch of. Family stuff. Uh, we see them like getting, you know, staying in a room together, and the timing gets longer that they're staying together. We see during this whole harvest thing, Keanu, who's actually an orphan, is getting closer to this family and he's learning the joys that kind of come with their traditions and their roots and how they do things. And all the while, there's this obvious growing attraction between Victoria and Paul, but they're mm-hmm. kind of trying to ignore it or Paul's trying to be chivalrous and kind of just push it off and say like, no, I'm still married. And so they're kind of just avoiding what's obviously there or, or what the movie wants you to think is there. Uh, but it's ultimately, they're not very successful at this. There was one scene that I thought was really, really well done was, which was the grape, smashing scene yeah not something that you see in movies very often and i thought it was cool how they depicted the mayan tradition of of kind of signaling to the four winds but after a harvest 
And then the traditions of the married women smashing the grapes. And then they ultimately like brought Keanu into the grape pit. And I don't know. I thought that was like a really cool scene. I thought they did a really nice job. And that, and that was probably the most like romantic, playful portion of the movie for Victoria and Paul. Cause they ultimately like kind of have a, a peak in their, in their attraction for each other. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of, um, inadvertently caught kissing. You know, they're kind of just like, oh, it was one. Of, you see that in movies all the time. It's like, oh, oh, we're we're actually kissing right now. Whoops. And so that was it. Was cool. It felt organic. It felt it felt good. But it's a lot of that. You kind of get a lot of that in, I don't know, span of thirty minutes of the movie. So basically, Paul reaches this fever pitch of. A war between kind of guilt and not lust, but kind of this excitement for uh, what could be a better relationship than what's at home. But ultimately, his guilt uh, outweighs, and and he gets to this point where he's he's got this basically his honor is that he needs to go back and salvage this marriage um, with Betty, mm-hmm. and so he's like, I gotta go home. Which was which was a sad scene because there was this big buildup where he had the 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 band um, totally blanking. Yeah, he he learned in like twenty drunken minutes. He learned the words (laughs) to a song in Spanish and and serenaded her outside of her window. I do want to just talk real quick about part of the reason why I felt like at the time when I was a a teenager, a young teenager, that I this movie was. problematic was like two of the the not this song i don't actually know that the name of the song that he learns how to sing but the two main instrumentals that you hear in, in this movie are to la cucaracha uh, okay. and cielito lindo which mm-hmm. is two of the most famous songs that have ever come out of mexico ever mm. it's like if you wanted to do a racist cartoon of a mexican it would be to one of those two songs the like Cielito Lindo is the ay 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 song. You can finish it from there. Yeah, those are both the uh, Speedy Gonzalez tunes, right? Yes, That's exactly. like what they yeah. exactly. And I don't know I don't know this this love song offhand. I don't know the name of it, but it is also pretty pretty common. So it's like they went through they like asked the nearest white person what song should be on the score for a family of Mexicans. And then that's what they put in there. Oh, wow. And none of it's bad. Cause they're all good songs, but yeah. it, it definitely is what led to me as a 13 year old being indignant about, you know, why are we whitewashing the Mexican family? Yeah. But we're also playing the most stereotypical Mexican music we can find. Right. There's more. Anyway, There's more. A tangent. It's a rich yeah. tapestry. Come on. Interesting. So yeah, he's like, a little bit of a Romeo Juliet kind of deal. He's got a mariachi band. He's singing up to her window. And then there's supposed to be this indicator from her to turn on her bedroom light. If she will um, reciprocate his love, the light doesn't happen. And that adds to his guilt. And he's like, I'm out of here. So he like walks away in the night and then he's like a quarter mile away from the place and turns back and the lights on. It was like, ah, shouldn't you run back now? But he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He goes home, and he walks into his into his apartment, and Betty is there with another man. Dun dun dun. Was this the guy he got off the boat with in the beginning? This is the guy from the records. 
that she was learning diction to. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. which is why she was sitting yeah, in her it's underwear. Like the, the speech coach. Look, white people all look the same. All right. <laughs> That's <fine>. true. <laughs> so Keanu still keeps his cool, which was great. Of course, because he's a gentleman. He's a over gentleman. And over and over again. With honor. And mm-hmm. to add insult to injury, she's like, oh, don't worry. I already got the annulment. <laughs> I did this without you. I did all the heavy lifting. <laughs> it's totally fine. I mean, she she read all of the letters. That's true. That was, was a like, twist. She read all the letters and she or most of the letters and she was like, "Oh shit, this is never going to work." Yeah, yeah. yeah. We are not compatible at all. Right. And uh, fair enough because we knew that right away, immediately before we knew anything about him or her. Yep. Yeah, that's a great but, point. That's why she went to go get the annulment is she read all the letters and she was like, I am not staying married to this man. Strangely, they like threw her a little bit of credit there, which was interesting, right? Because this whole time they've been trying to like knock her down as being a bad person. But then it kind of seemed like she did her research and had a sound reason beyond an affair to not want to stay with this guy. So that that was interesting. I don't know why they chose. Yeah, I liked that. I, I think that the... The fact that there's no, like, bad guys in this movie is something that I like because I feel like too often we err on the other side where it's all all bad guys and you have to find which one is the least bad so that you can like them. Yes. And in this one, all the bad guys aren't really bad guys. They're all just complicated human beings, yeah. including the, the woman who has an affair with her on her husband who just got back from war. She's, like, a fine lady who didn't know what she was getting herself into and realized as soon as she could that, you know, this wasn't going to work out and went to go get an annulment. Yeah. So, you know, from the from the perspective of the viewer, it's kind of like, sweet. That's great. Great news. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. Keanu, Keanu kind of... Re- too. Yeah, he reflects it, Yeah, right? I was going to say, from, from the character's perspective, he's, he, he's kind of stunned for a minute and doesn't look super happy and, and Deborah Messing feels real bad because he doesn't say anything. And if you're like... Oh, I cheated on you and got an annulment, and then no one—he doesn't say anything. He's like, "Okay," and walks out. Then you're like, "Oh, wow, I really am the bad guy." And then she's like, leans out the window and says, "Are you going to be okay?" And he's like, "I think I'm going to be great." So yeah. He smiles and runs down the street. He skips but away. it takes him a second to get there, and so yeah, he 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 takes longer than the audience does to be like, "Hell yeah, he can go back and get his girl." Exactly. So I was excited. He jumps into some pickup truck. <laughs> hitchhiking his way back so basically he returns to um the estate in the clouds um to ask victoria to marry him so he's all jazzed but when he returns he runs into alberto who's like all pissed and all drunk and he's like listen i want to marry her i got annulled he's very calmly trying to explain himself but Alberto's like, no, nah, dude. Well, and also the first thing that he says is, I messed up. I lied to you. I've come to make it right and ask for your hand in marriage, which he said very early on that like he was he didn't even say it to Keanu, that he was pissed that he didn't do it in the traditional way and ask for his daughter's hand and all that kind of stuff. And then it turns out as soon as Keanu's actually doing it, that's exactly the kind of guy he is. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. So. Alberto's like, I don't care what words you're using right now. I hate your guts. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to fight you. He's very drunk. Yeah. 
and he's like yelling for his compadre to go get his gun. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just get my gun over and over again. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, since his gun doesn't arrive, Alberto just resorts to grabbing whatever weapon-like item is nearby, and it ends up being an oil lantern, um, and throws this at towards Keanu to try and strike him with it, but misses, and instead spreads uh, the lantern and its contents, including flame, into uh, the grapevines. Into the vineyard. Which uh, light up as if they were spouting propane from their leaves. <laughs> okay, um, but look, this really happened to the guy a year and a half later. <laughs> that's true. So I, don't I trust know, him. I don't know if it burned with such vigor in real life, <laughs> but this thing was borderline explosive in how quickly right. it burned. It was exponential. It, to, the, to the truest sense, it was an exponentially growing fire, and they were trying to pat it down and then there was like weird drama with people getting trapped and they really kind of like pushed hard into the fire thing. So the the dad sees everything he's worked for for his whole family going up in flame and he's too drunk to do anything about it and he decides he's going to kill himself by running into the fire. Yeah. At the same time that he's doing that, the little brother who's like a teenager at Stanford runs into the fire in his pajamas to try and like pull his dad out, which people were already on it. Like there were stronger and bigger people than you. You don't need to worry about it. But he does. He jumps in to try and get his dad out and his pajamas catch fire. And so now he's on fire and running around and Keanu has to like get him onto the ground and put him out. And so there's a, there's a lot of unnecessary running in and out of the flames. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't actually pick up on Alberto trying to burn himself to death. Oh, he says, I just want to die. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right over my head. It got dark. Yeah, that's what I mean. This this whole scene was like really intense. I guess it just wasn't enough for the fire alone. Well, there's there's something something that we kind of skipped leading up to this that I feel like played some part of it, where at one point when Keanu Reeves has started falling for... Victoria, but he hasn't really necessarily admitted it to himself yet. But his dad's being the dad's being shitty about something. Yeah. And Keanu Reeves is in the in the barn and the dad's being shitty. And he's like, why can't you just love your family? Oh, yeah. I wanted someone to love me like your family loves you forever. And you don't love them. And if you do love them, you don't know how to show it because none of them know it. And they all work very hard to try and get that from you all the time and so stop fucking up and just love your family Mm -hmm. and i that was a very good scene but also i think that's where they started trying to plant the seed of him wanting to run into the fire because not only has he been stewing on that for for days now in in movie time but also then he just lit his whole family's like security on fire as well yeah so i feel like that's part of why they don't i don't think they do a good job of following up on it like there's never any scene about him not loving his family or him feeling guilt-ridden about it between now and then where like suicide is all of a sudden a thing but i think that's where they were trying to kind of lay the groundwork of him trying to fling himself into the flames yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did m- out. miss that barn scene. That was a great monologue for Keanu. He was a lot of passion there. So, well, it didn't didn't really further the story along. <laughs> no, but it was good. 
so the fire destroys the vineyard, and but Paul Keanu remembers that when he was out with Don Pedro on one of their walks, Don Pedro had shown him kind of the family plant. It was like the mother plant of the vineyard that kind of grew in a wild way. It wasn't really, it wasn't necessarily harvested. It was just kind of this plant that was away from everything. So they actually made a little shrine to it, which yeah. is a very Mexican thing to do. That was honestly the most Mexican thing that happened in this movie is hmm. the the like guy from Spain brought over a grapevine from his orchard to plant in like the new world in Mexico. And then they moved from Mexico to California and the grandfather brought a vine from Mexico to California. So it's the same family vine for generations moving from continent to continent. Nice. And they planted the initial vine like on a hill with a little shrine and a candle. And um, I'm assuming, you know, Mary or some saint was watching over it or something. But that was like where they took the cuttings from to grow the rest entire rest of the vineyard. Right. So that one plant was like the the foundation plant for all of the other plants in the vineyard, which apparently that's the case for 90% of avocados grown in America. Did you know that they're all grown from the same tree? Cool. And it's like, it's not the same tree. It's all like propagation of the same tree, but like they're all, they're all this from the same avocado tree genetically. That's rad. Anyway. So that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, so this one was, was like protected and, and separated and had a little fence around it and a little, little shrine to it. Yeah. So he runs to find this plant and initially, it's like, uh-oh, it's burnt. It's also burnt. And, but he runs back to Alberto, and he says a line that was said earlier in the, in the movie when they were trying to save the grapes from frost, where Alberto went up to the grapes, and he said it's still good on the inside. Or it's still... Yeah, the frost, frost hasn't touched the inside. Yeah, so it's okay. As long as we, like, warm them up a little bit, we'll be good. So Keanu like runs up to Alberto with this root ball that he ripped out of the ground. And he's like, is it still good on the inside? With his sheer masculinity. <laughs> yeah. Rocks it back and forth. He was looking good. He yeah, was looking he was. good for this part. The, the biceps were out in full force. He was a little oh, yeah. sweaty from the fire. I'm not going to lie. I'm really rethinking that whole chain reaction was the only time <laughs> I've had sexual feelings for Keanu Reeves. Uh, uh-oh. Uh, Three, two that movies. was true at the time. Chain reaction adjacent, right? I saw this movie and hated it and did not think anything about him. But now, in retrospect, uh-huh. he looked pretty good in this movie. Uh-huh. Oh, that's two movies. Uniform, too. Some people. Uh-huh. Like I'm saying, up is down and left is right. And I don't know what's <laughs> real anymore. This movie has thrown my whole worldview out of whack. We are currently in The Matrix 4. That is actually yes. what's happening. So, All right. Yes. Uh, so... He's like, is it still good on the inside, basically? Like, is it green? Can we salvage this burnt plant? And Alberto's like, oh my gosh, yes. We can do this. Uh, But he, like, cuts off a little nubbin of the root ball. And, you know, it's green inside. So, um, basically, Alberto has this moment of clarity. And he's like, man, I actually don't know how to love... I need someone to teach me. And Alberto accepts Keanu. And there's these comparisons between 
his family and his roots and you know, Keanu's just basically like brought into the fold while everyone mm-hmm. is covered in soot. <laughs> and the soot mm-hmm. marks on their faces change every scene. But we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> and so then they're like, we can rebuild and replant all of them with Keanu being here to help. Uh, and that's it. And the next time we see the vineyard, yeah, it's done. Oh, yeah, there's like a brief snapshot of the vineyard. Um, so there's a couple things that we didn't really touch on in the synopsis, and I didn't want to break the flow because you were really going strong. First thing that I have in my notes is when the grandfather pulls Keanu aside for their first heart-to-heart out of all the hearts-to-hearts, mm-hmm. and he's wearing a robe and he pulls handfuls of seed or something out of his robe and throws it at the ducks, the ducks. in the pond. Yeah. And he says, here. But he does it so aggressively, like such a grumpy old man. And it's so delightful. He's like, here. 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 Eat this. You ungrateful just, bastards. Yeah. Yeah. Sons of bitches. Eat this. That's and great. And it's amazing. That's like how Rob Lowe uh, fed the chickens in Youngblood. You remember? He just throws the grain yes. at them. Yes. Yes. Very similar. very similar um and then the thing that i thought was so okay obviously keanu reeves goes way out of his way for a stranger and continually does the even more so than like upright and moral thing he's a person who goes way out of his way for other people the reason that i interrupted to bring up the whole asking for the hand in marriage thing is if you watch it back there's actually a lot of foreshadowing or dialogue after something like we every time the dad says something about him keanu reeves is it and we've already seen it or we're about to see it Mm. completely independent of the two storylines there's a lot of stuff that the dad says about why he's not right for his daughter or what he wants for his daughter or why this is all terrible or whatever and every single thing that he says they actually end up showing at some point to some extent keanu reeves is exactly what he wants for his daughter and they did it in a very subtle way that like none of this movie is subtle but that was and i very much appreciated it i thought it was really interesting the way that they they brought it up without bringing it up like Every time the dad would say something, they made sure that somewhere in the script, whether before that point or after that point, they had already countered that notion. Interesting. Yeah. It might be worth a rewatch for uh, to try to pick up on that. Yeah. The, the only the only one that I remember specifically that I can like quote is the he didn't even ask for my daughter's hand in marriage. And then when he comes around to it, he asked yeah. for his daughter's hand in marriage First immediately thing. before he even goes to see the daughter again to see. If I asked you to marry me, would you be into that? Yeah. Because he doesn't know that. When he goes back to like, he's free and clear, he has an annulment, he does not go back and talk to her first and say, I am no longer married. Are you interested in being in love with me? Because he doesn't know that she is too. They never say it. They never deal with it. They both spend a lot of the movie trying to ignore the fact that they're falling in love with one another. So it's very big deal for him to go immediately to the father before he even hints at it to the daughter um, because that's exactly what the dad wanted and that that made me go through and rethink think some previous things and I didn't have them written down because I didn't know that's where we were going with it but every almost everything that he says about Keanu negatively there's a there's a show don't tell like counter to the argument interesting which I thought was really interesting yeah that is cool yeah do we ultimately recommend this film yes yeah 
That's going to be a yes for me. We got all three hosts wow. on board. Three yeses. <laughs> I was not expecting three yeses from this movie. This felt so weird and different, like weird and different enough. And, uh, you know, I guess you add Keanu Reeves into the mix of a genre that I wouldn't particularly go for in the first place. And you, you know, you tip the scales a little bit, but I really enjoyed it overall. It was it was not a very like challenging movie. It was like, oh, you just sit back and let this wash over you. But I, I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And I think mm-hmm. probably I can't speak for everybody, but if you had seen this in the 90s. And you're maybe a little cynical on it, like maybe <laughs> one of our hosts. I don't know. If you revisit it <laughs> I now, who you're talking about. I don't know. I wonder if. who that could be. <laughs> uh, th- revisiting it now, it's pretty good. I, I it's pretty great. I, I really. I mean, honestly, it, I think that the the biggest thing that I found interesting with it, I still have some issues with the how we make a, a Mexicans palatable to an American audience is by making them Italian and right. rich. Yes. I have some issue with that still, but I don't feel like it's nearly as offensive as I did when I was 13 and indignant about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do treat a lot of the traditions with respect and not only just respect, but Keanu Reeves is like, this is everything I've ever wanted because not only have I never had a family, but this is a family who has like so much tradition and joy in everything that they do. So I feel like in, in, some respects, there's the kind of inherent racism, but in a lot of ways, they actually did more honor to Mexican culture than than I would have guessed. Yeah. Even without my initial reactions to it. But the other thing was Keanu Reeves is like a Prince Charming. <laughs> Period. In a well, but it's like in a realistic way. It's such non-toxic masculinity. Right. There's so little need to, like, prove oneself or, uh, you know, like, even when he's he never defends a woman's honor. It's always protecting her from, like, sexual assault. Like, he didn't butt in when they were sitting down with her when she didn't want them sitting down with her on the bus. And they had a lot of conversation before Keanu Reeves butted in. And it's when he thought they were getting physical. Mm-hmm. He is like there's there's an element of of him being a Prince Charming in a non-toxic white boy way that is very, very refreshing. And the fact that they did all of this, he's so kind and so generous and pitches in with everything and doesn't pick fights and doesn't do whatever and his temper never gets the best of him, whatever. They do all of these things about like the ideal man, but they do it in a soft-spoken way, in a in a very naive and innocent way. And all of it still is believable. And I just... I very rarely see that kind of male lead in a movie. There's always something misogynistic. Um, He very much likes the fact that Victoria is her own woman and does not really feel the need to do anything for her, especially when you're considering that this movie, although made in 95, is set in the 40s. So you've got like a bunch of inherent sexism that you could put into the plot and into the storyline and into the characters without even having to like excuse anything because it's, you know, the 90s and we're somewhat more socially aware you didn't even have to do that because it was set in the 40s so there's a lot of misogyny and a lot of whatever that you could put into it and he's so he's so all of the best traits of like a classic prince charming man without any of the uh, problematic parts of it he's not problematic at all as a male lead and that's so rare that that happens in any romantic comedy where there's no gaslighting and there's no whatever and and keanu reeves makes it work and sells it as this could potentially be a real person. Right. 
And it that is, is Keanu Reeves, isn't it? Shocking to me. I, that's the thing. I think that's just Keanu Reeves. Right. That's the thing. Are you, I think all those things you're saying, I'm like. Go to Children's Hospital, buy a van to drive everyone on this plane that yeah. we've broken down to LA. Like, I just think that's Keanu Reeves. And I think that's maybe why it works so well for him is because, like, this, I'm not looking to get anything out of it. I'm not looking to get into anybody's way. But if I see something that I know is the right thing, I'm going to do it. I think that's just him. And it's I think so that's good. part of the reason why he brought brought so much of that to this character that for all intents and purposes should be a pretty one dimensional character considering like the movie and the story and everything like that. But I really genuinely bought into it and genuinely was like, I wish there were more guys like this when normally I would see a guy like this and be like, there's no guys like this because this is one dimensional. And he actually, and I think you're right. I think it's because that's kind of who he, who he is. I, I, agree with basically everything you not basically i agree with everything you said and they did show that there were there were parts like what you said like he intervened but he also he was also respecting her boundaries and i'm thinking specifically about the dinner scene where the dad is basically hurling insults at him the whole mm -hmm. time and mm -hmm. he you know he just excuses himself, gets up and leaves. He smiles at the grandma and right. says, It was the soup delicious. Was delicious. Yes. Does not do anything passive aggressive, even. He's not snide. He's not snotty. He's not angry. He smiles at the grandmother. He's super polite. And he's like, This was delicious. Thank you. But I need to leave now. And he <laughs> right. walks outside. <laughs> I can't be, I don't want to be a part of this <laughs> negative energy. You're harsh in my vibe. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, you know, outside, he's like, I thought, I, I thought about saying something. Uh, but I I didn't, you know, I just needed to remove myself. And it was, that's awesome. Well, and then he goes on to say, when I put myself in his shoes and I thought if it were my only daughter and I'd never heard of this guy and he's nothing like my family and whatever, I'd feel the exact same way he does. Yeah, he make, they make that, I think it was the dad or somebody makes that offhand. It's got to be the dad because it's kind of a put down where he's like, we could trace our lineage back 400 years or something. Yeah. And you don't even know who your parents are. And I think that probably is what struck the nerve with him in the first place. Yes. But probably also got him in a thoughtful kind yes. of way about the whole thing. Paul Sutton is Keanu Reeves confirmed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> same, same guy, basically. <laughs> same guy. More same, or less. but different, but also the same. So with that, where does this fit in your rankings? So this is the, this is, here's the thing, you guys. Oh boy. I didn't like this movie when I watched it. I was actively not looking forward to rewatching this movie. It's now number four on my list. Whoa! Whoa. Yep, What's going to happen when we get to the lake house, Whitney? What is going to happen? I am not going to like the lake house. <laughs> okay. We'll see. I may not hate the lake house. All right. We'll see. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like it. Number four. But this is yes, this goes between Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and parenthood. When I was sitting down and I, this is a genuinely like it is not a challenging movie. It is not a complex movie. But when I was going through this list and thinking, would I rather watch Dangerous Liaisons or this again? It was a hundred percent this. Would I rather watch Little Buddha or this again. 100% this. Dracula, permanent record, point break. And I got all the way up to parenthood. And I was like, I would definitely rather watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure again than this. But I think I will watch this movie again on a sick day or something. Like, it's it's wow. one of those where you don't have to pay too much attention to it. 
Uh, but it's a, an overall romantic feel good sort of a thing. It, I watch shock a lot all the time when I'm like not feeling good or I want something in the background that makes me feel cozy. This is a cozy feeling movie. And so I think is in my main metric of where to rank things is which would I rather watch again? The thing before it or the thing above it? Yeah. It put it at number four because I would rather watch this than most of the movies we've seen. Woo! Unbelievable. I love it. All right. I'm happy that you dig it so much and that you had Me like too. a huge 180 on it too to boot. I am surprised and delighted. Okay. Okay. Evan, where are you putting this on the list? I'm at six. Wow. That's also higher than I thought it would be for you. Yeah. That's I'm full of surprises. <laughs> You're like, I don't recommend this movie. Also, it's my number two movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That has something. I don't remember what movie that was, but I do remember you saying, no, it was terrible. I don't recommend it, but I'm putting it at number three. Yeah. I do remember that happening. I wonder what well, I have to go back and listen. I don't remember what movie that was, but that it was, was early. But yeah, you definitely did do that. Maybe it was the night before. Oh, that sounds about right. It was uh, early. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to go back and do a little research, but. Anyway, we at least number have six. It, yeah, okay. We at least have it marked down which ones he didn't recommend. So that narrows it down. You just listen mm -hmm. to those episodes. For me, I'm going to be a little bit more of a bummer, but I feel like this is where it fits for me. I'm, I'm slotting it in at number 11 for me. That's fine. I totally want to make sure that I am saying to people clearly, this is not a stimulating movie in that it is... <laughs> It in no way challenges anything that you've ever thought or felt at all. It is so blend into the background, generic, period romance. Mm -hmm. It could not, like, I did not get anything out of it that I would not have gotten before. But on my primary metric, like, not quality of movie, but on what do I want to watch again? And which would I rather watch? If you showed me two movies right now, Parenthood and Walk in the Clouds, which would I sit down and watch immediately? It's a walk in the clouds is way high on that list because it was very it was charming. Yeah. And like I said, Ever After, Shock a Lot, those are the kinds of movies that are very much the vibe of this. So if you haven't seen it and that's your kind of movie, go for it because you'll like it because it's not it's not uh, it's it's like candy. It's like a mug of hot cocoa. <laughs> it's a comfort there's food no, of movies. Yeah, there, it, there's no substance to it, but it is. Very charming and very enjoyable, and definitely I will put it on again and like a sick day or something like that. Like if if work gets called out because of a snowstorm and so everyone's working from home, like that's the kind of movie that it is. There you go. All right, all right. We got four, six, and eleven for me. Still really enjoyed it. Still recommend it. Just yeah. even by uh, Whitney's metric, there I was like. It slotted in just above Little Buddha for me, but weirdly below Johnny Mnemonic. So maybe I can't be go. trusted. Maybe the season two reckoning will be even more changes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Let's talk about next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. We're doing drum it. drum We're here. roll, please. It's happening. Whitney, the stars have aligned. Uh huh. You'll be walking us through chain by, reaction. By pure coincidence. Oh! <laughs> You've seen this. I think Evan saw, said he saw this, right? Oh, yeah. I 
can't remember if I saw this. I feel like I did. Because when did. I see the poster for it, I'm thinking, this looks incredibly familiar. If you but I can't be you, sure. You're going to be mad if you hadn't before. <laughs> well, then, either way, I'm looking forward to either seeing it for the first time or revisiting it with the two of you. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious, especially after this. Like, how big a difference I felt in, in the movie from then till now. I'm very curious to see, because I haven't seen Chain Reaction basically since. So this is like, again, we're going from 13-year-old Whitney to now, and then the next one is 14-year-old Whitney to now, and I am curious to see how I feel about it in retrospect. Because I knew at the time that it was bad, but also <laughs> it made me feel feelings. Sure. Are you nervous at all? Like that you won't like it? No, I mean, it's a bad action movie. What's the movie where the, the volcano comes out of the La Brea tar pits and like goes down Los Angeles streets? Oh, that would be Volcano. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Volcano. I don't know, because that was like, that was, Volcano was just like Armageddon and, and um, what's the other one that came out at the exact same, Deep Impact that came yeah. out at the exact same time. There was something else that came out at the same time as Volcano. And I Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak. Yes. yes correct. But yeah. Dante's Peak had... Pierce Brosnan? That's correct, yeah. And Volcano was Tommy Lee Jones. And a lake full of dead fish. <laughs> My reference points are weird, you guys. Anyway. Wonderful. Volcano. Not a good movie, but also, like, not a bad movie. Like, it was fun. It's not fun in the same way that, like, Fast and Furious is fun. It's not over-the-top fun. And I think that's actually where it it falls down is that they tried to be more like enemy of the state and they didn't get to that level of tension mm. um, and they didn't get to that level of social commentary. And this, again, this is all me at 35 remembering what 14 year old Whitney thought of the movie. So I could be very off with all of that, but they tried to be like enemy of the state and they failed to get any sort of depth to it. So it's right. just like a, an action movie that's also kind of a thriller, but doesn't have any thrillingness to it um, mm. more so than like an over the top action film. That's my my recollection of it. Like cuz I like a good action film that goes over the top. I like it when it gets goofy and suspends disbelief and whatever because it's the action is so crazy. I'm I'm into that kind of stuff. So, uh I think my recollection was they were taking themselves more seriously, but they didn't hit it at all. All right. We'll kinda... see though. We'll see. I've had such a big change of heart with The Walk in the Clouds that <laughs> right. I, I, I don't feel like I know anything for certain anymore. That's, yeah. And uh, just like as a bonus, I would love, I think I want to hear like a podcast episode where you watch and review Volcano, really, just to see uh, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So, I mean, Volcano was very different for me growing up in Southern California because I knew all of those places. Like mm -hmm. people that did not grow up in Southern California, Volcano was just another like day after tomorrow, whatever kind of movie. But for me, like every time I went to the La Brea Tar Pits or was near the La Brea Tar Pits, I got scared because right. the movie Volcano, that's where it started. And so I was like at LACMA around the corner and I was at an art museum and minding my own business. And I would still be like, we're only like a block and a half away from La Brea Tar Pits, you guys. We might all die in a volcano. <laughs> if we see Tommy Lee Jones, we got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> But I would, I, I will also at some point, I'll, I'll revisit Volcano because I'm also curious to see how that feels now. This is a total side uh, thing. I'll have to find out what it's called. I just subscribed to a podcast that covers 
doubles, and I can't remember what it's called, but they cover that phenomenon of two movies with the basic premise being the same coming out in the same year. The Prestige uh, and uh, the, what's the, the other Illusionist, one? The Illusionist, right? The Illusionist, It's happened yeah. a lot. It has happened a lot. So, that you, so much so that you can have a whole podcast dedicated to just that phenomenon. And it's not yeah. just, a, it's yeah. not recent. It's been happening for decades. Which for a is long, long time. <laughs> pretty cool. Well, I think that, it, that that's part of the, um, I think that comes about because of the, I talked about it in Dracula, like my sister and I in our long, elaborate conspiracy theory-esque <laughs> talking about just how our fears are so like our cultural fears and how they're shown in in media whether that's TV or books or whatever whatever's popular at the time throughout the entirety of history it has changed to reflect what is currently happening in society and i think that to some extent things like i can't say for sure but like deep impact in armageddon happening at the same time was for a reason yeah like I, and I don't know what they are because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a scholar. I haven't gone through what was happening culturally at the time of Deep Impact and Armageddon. But like, is that the end of the Cold War stuff? And so now we don't have Russians that are coming out of the sky. Now it's like space. And do we have the technology to fight space? It's probably something like that. And so that's why those happen where they come out. Multiple people are thinking of the same kinds of themes at a time is because it's the same kinds of things that culture as a whole is concerned with. And it's always funny that one of the movies is just so much better. So much better than the other. Than the other one. Sorry, so illusionist. But sorry, illusionist. It's Chris Nolan. You you just you were did never I, you were never going to win that. that. My sister is in the Prestige. I feel like that's something I've already talked about. Wait, what? Yeah. So my sister did a lot of background. That was like her day job for a while. Was extra and background in Hollywood TV, and she's in Boston Legal, and she's in oh, she's in a hundred things. It's crazy how much stuff she's in does she have like an um, imdb or something like that or is that not i don't is think that so not because credited? it was all it's it was like... all extra background work oh which that's awesome credited. though that's cool um but if you watch the prestige you know at the very beginning when they pull the audience up it's like a flashback and they pull the audience up to inspect the trick and then you see it again at the end of the movie yes the only woman that comes out of the audience it's like three men and one woman and she's wearing a blue dress that's my sister holy shit all right yeah I got to check it out. I was yeah. thinking about revisiting that movie anyway. So now, yeah. uh, all right, cool. Check it out. That's Lindsay Nelson, y'all. Lindsay Nelson on Twitter also, I believe. There's no I, underscore. Lindsay Cameron Nelson, I think. Okay. No, Lindsay Cameron Nelson on Instagram. I don't know. <laughs> I just follow her. I don't know. Week. What's I, the username? <laughs> it's been a long week. Okay. Let's bring it in for a landing. We might be able to use that whole thing as a bonus Patreon thing. I don't know. That was great. <laughs> Either way, I love talking about movies, Keanu or not. You're right, Andrew. It's just Lindsay Nelson. Yes. I, she, she, you, you, know, you know my sister's Instagram better than I do. <laughs> she sends all sorts of delightful Keanu news and pictures our way. That's true. She does. So she does. She's, she's as in it. She's the spiritual fourth host of this podcast as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Is. Yeah. All right. Chain reaction next week. Don't miss that. Whitney, I feel like, is going to go ham on that one. Very exciting. Very exciting. I can't wait. I, I, I'm I excited for the trivia because I haven't done any research yet, but I bet there's going to be some good stuff. Oh, I think God. it's going to be a, a fertile ground to, you know, uh, to, to pull from 
rather than something like this where there's not a whole lot of trivia to use, sure. I think that I will have quite a bit of fodder uh-huh. for America's favorite game for an interstellar <laughs> classic. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, while you're at it, why don't you tell people where you could be found on the internet in the meantime? Uh, Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N. And I'm too tired to talk about any of the other podcasts I'm on, but they're all great and you should listen to them. <laughs> There's a lot. They're good. You can find subscribe. them all there. All right. Yeah, subscribe. Evan, how about you, buddy? Where are you at on the internet? Oh, I'm on Instagram at Evan Acre. Um, I'm also on Twitter at the same handle. And, um, yeah, just check me out there. Okay. And the wet implant is okay? You had the surgery and the wet implant is fine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still... It has, has the gray, mat- gray matter. Is it, is it taking? Any leakage or... The last thing you want is a, is a rejection of, <laughs> of the software. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm having firmware issues right now, but uh, they keep telling me that they're just going to be making, you know, patches. So we'll see. Yeah, you just got to update. Yeah. Turn it off and then turn it back on again. I've tried that. Tried restarting Evan. Yeah, it's dangerous. Really dangerous. <laughs> Not sleep mode. A hard reset is what we yeah, need. Yeah, exactly. All right. You can find me at Dark Driving on Twitter, Instagram, all those places. Just do that. Thank you for hanging around for this long, but really, really fun and surprisingly positive and good episode mm-hmm. for a walk in the clouds. Mm-hmm. So with that, mm-hmm. and in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan... Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. I know. I, I like we're we're a nice, you know, whatever the three way equivalent of yin and yang is. We'll bring our own to the table, but sometimes I'm so much in the like. Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula is about the AIDS crisis. And I'm like, can you just calm down for a second and watch a movie? Multiple people have brought that up to me, like family members and friends that listen to this. And they were like, when Whitney said that, it blew my goddamn mind. Because <laughs> oh, they yeah. never, well, uh, and me too, because I did yeah, not put same. it under that lens either. And I, but I'm like, I'm like, well, clearly <laughs> Dracula was about AIDS. So now I'm the pretentious <laughs> sex. <laughs> I don't know if you were aware of this. Dracula is clearly about AIDS. Cop- Coppola was very afraid of AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> oh.